0: Imagine being present, calm and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts. Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution, and Shaitha Fatheli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hey, I hope you're having a great start to the week, and thank you so much for spending some of your time with us today. As you know, this season on the podcast, we are talking with many inspiring, engaging, and enthusiastic expert guests this week is no exception now being a parent and navigating the school system is no easy task and you may often ask yourself how you can help your child succeed and succeed academically or what you can do when your child is struggling how can you as a parent ensure that your child is set up for success in the school system Well, our guest expert today, Amy Buckley, will aim to answer these questions, while at the same time transmit a sense of empowerment and liberation. Now, Amy Buckley is the founder of Study Help Inc. and is also a veteran public school teacher. For the first five years of her career as a teacher, Amy taught students with emotional issues due to neglect or trauma. She then moved to teaching students with mild to moderate disabilities. She has taught in this position for the last 20 years. Most teachers are experts on the content they deliver. And Amy, though, is an expert at teaching. She prides herself in making the content accessible to her students. Thank you so much for joining us today, Amy.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to you.
0: So am I. I am really looking forward to this conversation. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is just to get into a little bit of your story. How did you come about to feel this need to advocate for students? So I
1: went to college and thought I was gonna be a therapist. And when I graduated, I decided to take a year and work in that environment. And I ended up working at a school for students that had emotional disturbance, a non-public school, and I was in a classroom. And I worked as a mental health assistant and I really enjoyed what I was doing because I spent a lot of time actually supporting students around their academics. And I was very lucky that the non-public school that I worked for decided that they were going to pay for me to go get my credential. So being a teacher, you're not going to make a whole lot of money, right? So that was a big bonus to me and i love doing it Um, eventually my husband asked me to move on to a position that was maybe a little bit less wearing on your soul than working with students who suffered from severe abuse or neglect which it is very difficult and if you know anyone who does that you know buy them mini beverages. (laughs) They can be coffee, hot chocolate, but they deserve a little extra treat. Um, So I ended up moving to public school and I've been teaching students with mild to moderate disabilities for the last 20 years, same classroom. I'm the first person, the only person that's ever taught in that classroom. It was built and I moved in. So I know every stain on the floor, where it came from and (laughs) teaching is just my passion. I love teaching. I love that moment when you feel like, oh, they got it. Mm-hmm. They understood. And a lot of times it's, it's not the moment that you would anticipate. It's, it happens maybe a day later, or a week later, a student will say something and you're like, oh, wow, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. you
1: understood what we were learning about in that lesson. And I wouldn't have known by looking at you but there it is yeah. there's the answer you got it you understand it you're able to apply it so i think that for me is the payment right so you have a job you get paid that is the payment it's more of a intrinsic value than a job where you're going to make the big bucks because let's face it i'm not ever going to make the big bucks yeah. and You know, students would ask me, parents would ask me for tutoring, like where should I go to get extra help? Because in a classroom, I might have 14, 16 kids, all with different levels, different abilities, and I have 56 minutes, Mm -hmm. right? So I never feel like I have enough time to really hit every student the way I would like to. So a friend of mine came up with the idea of starting study help, which is an online tutoring platform. And it's a way for teachers credentialed teachers to connect with students who need extra support. And what I love about it is now I have 50 minutes of me and that student Mm -hmm. and we can just get so much accomplished in that amount of time. And, the students are always happy by the end. I know in the beginning, sometimes parents have to convince them to do it, Mm -hmm. but by the end of the first session, they're sold. Mm -hmm. They want to come back. Um, Ends of the session, there's always a long goodbye because that's when they want to tell you, you know, the stories about their dog or whatever, and <laughs> that's that's not just the little kids either. A lot of times, it's the teenagers. That we have to remember that they're just they are they're still kids. They're just in bigger bodies. So, I really, my passion really is teaching mm-hmm. and and seeing the growth and development of future citizens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I can totally hear and see the passion in you and it is, it's just a beautiful feeling. Um, I'm a teacher myself and I feel that a lot of these kids, they really want some form of connection, yes. Well, right? And you mentioned how at the end of the session, they're, they're telling you stories regardless of the age that they are, and it's because they're able to have this connection with you, right? Now, you mentioned that when you're in the classroom, you see a lot of different and varying needs. Could you just give a little bit of a background on what you mean by varying and different needs?
1: When I first started teaching, I had a lot of students with ADHD Mm -hmm. and specific learning disabilities, dyslexia, dysgraphia, some combination. I didn't have as many students on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum. I might have one or two that I saw throughout the day. Now about half of each of my class are students that are on the spectrum. And how I'm gonna interact with a student on the spectrum is very different from how I'm gonna interact with a student who has ADHD because they have different needs. Right. And they have different ways of interfacing with you as a human being. And so my approach needs to be different because if I approach a student on the spectrum, like I would a student who socially like gets the interpersonal stuff, then (laughs) It's just going to bounce off. It's not, it's not going to be meaningful. It's not going to be effective. They're not going to understand what I'm talking about. And then on the other side, students that are very socially there and and able to connect, if I approach them the same way I approach a student on the spectrum, they're, they're gonna not really understand what I'm talking about. It's they're gonna feel disconnected to me and that connection is going is, is what makes our relationship work. because students that have ADHD, they don't have the dopamine that that pushes them to get things done. But if they want to do well, because they want to respect that relationship, it changes that level of dopamine, in their system, and they're more likely to accomplish the things that they wouldn't have done otherwise.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Uh, A few things you said there really stood out for me. The first thing is that you're seeing a lot of a lot more kids who are on the spectrum or who have a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, I teach kindergarten. So a lot of the kids that come in, don't have a diagnosis, but Mm -hmm. we'll be presenting with the signs and the symptoms of perhaps being on the spectrum on a milder level or um, having some sort of learning difference. Mm -hmm. And what I really, really loved hearing you say is it's not a deficit. This isn't a deficit. Mm -hmm. It is just that they are they have a learning difference. They learn in very different ways. And you are just so compassionate around that and also very educated in how to address these learning differences. And what I see in, not not, in, not necessarily in my school, but in within the school system in general, is that a lot of teachers because there is not so much education around these learning differences, are not able to, first of all, become aware that this is in our classroom if they are undiagnosed, and also how to work with children Who present with these systems and what with these symptoms and what ends up happening is that the kids end up being extremely frustrated and then that goes home and parents are frustrated and they're not sure what to do. Mm -hmm. What can they do?
1: So parents interacting with their student's teacher is really important and having a positive relationship, I think, is the most important part. So my approach is that I know that every parent who comes to me and they're frustrated and they're angry in those, in those mm-hmm. calls of their emails, it's not because they're mad at me. It's because they love their child. Mm-hmm. and as a teacher this is this is usually at the beginning because you know once they get to know me we don't have this problem anymore but my approach is that understanding that this parent just really loves their kid and they want the best for them but how much better would it have been if right from the beginning We could have had a positive relationship where they didn't have to learn that they could trust me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't think that every teacher out there is always going to be trustworthy. I think it's just like any other profession, Mm -hmm. doctor, priest, rabbi, you know, you have 90% that are wonderful, but you still have those folks out there who aren't necessarily the best and in education right now we have a lot of well five years is usually the max for a new teacher right like 50 percent are gone yeah so i right now it's worse than that so you have a lot of really unexperienced teachers because there's so much turnover so if you find that the person that you're talking to your child's teacher doesn't have the answer find another teacher that maybe is in the same school maybe it's someone you know maybe you come to me at steady help and get the answers that you need
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that happens all the time there's a lot of students that because I'm a high school teacher that I will have in my class that aren't on my caseload So I know for a lot of parents out there, they won't understand what that means, but when you're a special ed student, you have your teachers throughout the day, right? But then you have a case manager that writes your IEP, your individual education plan that follows you, tracks how you're doing, make sure that you're getting help. And sometimes there'll be students who are not on my caseload. And I know that they have a brand new teacher running their caseload. And I'll reach out to them and say, look, I know that you need answers. Let me help you. What are your questions Mm
0: -hmm. so that
1: they can get those answers? Because I have 25 years of experience and the things that I walked out of school with are not the things that I know now. Like I think about myself as a teacher 20 years ago. And let me tell you, I was working hard I wanted to do well. It wasn't that I wasn't trying hard enough. It was that I just didn't have the knowledge and wisdom that I have gained over time from working with hundreds of students, from doing my own research online, from listening to hours and hours of podcasts like yours to gain that insight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love how you said that the first step is a positive communication with the child's teacher, right? And if it's not going in the direction that you want to go and seek other avenues, not letting it stop right there. Right. And finding different ways in which you can, as a parent, advocate for your child. Now, In terms of advocating for their children, why would parents need to advocate for their children, first of all?
1: Parents need to advocate for their children because there is a limited pool of money. Yep. (laughs) And unfortunately, not every student gets what they need in the public school system because it's it's not like, there's just money left and right to do these things. And not only is is there not the money to do it, sometimes there aren't the the resources, the people. I mean, right now, speech and language pathologists are like unicorns. Like you find a good one, you got to be nice to that person (laughs) because there's a very short supply
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and a lot of kids that need that. So by advocating you're putting your face, your name out there so that when the, that, those resources become available, that your child gets them. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish every child got what they needed. Like in a perfect world, that's exactly what would happen. And I know that for me, the parent won't always advocate. I will advocate, but if we're both advocating it's a much stronger case. And a lot of the times the parents who aren't advocating are the ones that don't speak the language. And I I feel like there's a language barrier there. So making sure that if you don't speak the language that you have someone with you who can translate. I mean, I'm always gonna bring a translator to a meeting in those situations, but that's because I'm initiating the meeting. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right in terms of uh, language um, and uh, innate language or a language within your own culture or community. But I think it's also the academic langu- language. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, an IEP or um, getting a psychoeducational assessment done, Um, even specific diagnostic terms. I think that is another type of language that if you're not in the education field, you won't know that these types of supports or um, testing or results can happen for your child. And so connecting with someone such as yourself or other teachers in the field to help you navigate that is is a really, really fantastic idea, right? Because then you will be able to have this awareness around what is available. So let's just break it down a little bit for our listeners. When I talk about an IEP, what is an IEP? And who does it benefit? How do we come around establishing an IEP? So the,
1: the part that I don't like is that IEP is a failure system. A student has to show a lack of progress for a certain length of time and be significantly below their peers before one can really be initiated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really unfortunate. What if we could catch those kids when, when that separation starts to happen? Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't get so far behind, yeah. right? Um, but again, It's a money situation, I think.
0: absolutely a money situation. And I see this a lot in the early grades, particularly if I bring a student to, um, in Canada here, we have team. You probably have something similar. Um, And when we bring a student, let's say in kindergarten to team, it's always they're too young. We need to wait until they're in grade four. But it's obvious that this separation, this gap is just going to become bigger. And what it boils down to, as you mentioned, is the money and the resources, right? And this is where it is critical for parents to have this um, advocacy.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you're
0: enough of a pain,
1: (laughs) eventually they're going to do it because it's easier for them to just do it. Yeah. And they're either going to have proof that you do need help or proof that you don't need help Mm -hmm, and then it's done. Mm
0: -hmm, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to this IEP. So you mentioned a little bit how you do have to have you have to be significantly quite obviously lower in terms of skill performance in order to receive an IEP. But let's say that a child does receive an IEP. IEP is short for for something. Individualized
1: Education Plan.
0: Yeah, Individualized Education Plan. And if we have a parent who does have a child on their IEP, what kinds of things can they expect from an IEP and an IEP meeting?
1: So an IEP meeting should really be a team working together to create the best supports for that student so that everyone understands what the disability is. Everyone on the team understands what the disability is. Everyone on the team agrees on the accommodations and if there's any modifications that are made in the classroom. So a student who Let's say I have a student right now in my math class who can do the math but can't read the word problems because she has dyslexia. So it's not that she couldn't do the problem, it's that she can't initiate the problem because she can't read the problem. So when those word problems come up, somebody reads the problem to her
0: Mm -hmm. and then,
1: oh, she knows how to do it, no problem but I could just let her sit there for hours looking at the word problem. She's not going to get it because she struggles to read it, right? So that would be an accommodation in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, Having certain things read to you, like the directions, being able to use a calculator, different things like sitting in the front of the class. There's certain kids that have to sit in the front and there's certain kids that have to sit in the back because Mm -hmm. they have a lot of anxiety and sitting in the front of the class just, you know, makes them so anxious that they can't focus. So these are different kinds of accommodations. And then another thing that we do is we set goals in different areas. So they might have a work accomplishment goal where they're going to complete a certain number of assignments. They might have for younger kids, they might have money goals like understanding coins or what have you. So goals are gonna be specific to those students' needs. And then there's an area for services. Services are things like speech and language, special, special ed classes. Like maybe you're in a pullout or you have a pull out. Maybe you have for students that have um, deaf or hard of hearing, they'll have an auditory specialist. That make sure that they're able to hear in their classrooms. That the teachers have the different mics that go into the students' hearing aids. Different things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I find what I find is that a lot of the strategies we use for kids who are on an IEP actually end up working for the whole class, mm-hmm. right? And um, again, because I teach the younger grades, I use a lot of visuals, for example. And the visuals that are very specific for the child, I also with the IEP, I also use in a whole classroom setting. Mm -hmm. So it's as though everyone is learning this, right? Right. And it's not just singling out The child who is on the IEP. I do agree with you, though. I think that it it would be so fantastic if in an ideal world where we had all this money and resources that every child, in essence, could have their own individualized education plan, because all of our children are completely different and have different needs. And it would be amazing if, as educators, we can... um, have the resources to fulfill those needs, regardless of a learning difference or not. Now, sometimes a lot of kids require support, but don't have an IEP and are not officially diagnosed and may not be diagnosed for years. I know over here, there's quite a wait list to get even a psych psychoeducational assessment done unless you do it privately. And even then there's still a wait list. What could parents do for these children who uh, may be struggling and not on an IEP, not having a diagnosis?
1: So a lot of support can happen at home in terms of helping them learn the skills that they're working on. We know that independent reading, Mm -hmm. we know that independent writing, like journaling, we know that travel, that all these things are really enriching in developing critical thinking skills, that academic exuberance in the classroom, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and making homework not a terrible thing and I think that's part of the reason why kids like getting on study help because the teachers help them with their homework and manage to make it engaging and fun and interesting and what happens a lot at home is you're trying to fold the laundry you're trying to make dinner and help your child because you have a million things to do and I mean, that's just reality, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As parents, we have a lot to, to manage. So if you find that it's becoming a battle, that's when you really need to get help. Yeah, And the help can be someplace like us, study help. Help can be grandma, grandpa, auntie, you know, I tutor my niece who asked me this summer, she's in, she just went into first grade. So she's in first grade now. And we were on vacation and we're just walking along and she's six. And she asked me, the six-year-old asked me to tutor her in reading because she wanted to be able to read better. Mm -hmm. So every Monday night she lives in Colorado and I live in California. And we pop on just like you and I right now. And You know we start off where she reads me a book and then we work on different reading skills together and we always end with some sort of game Mm -hmm. that we do together and it's something that she loves I love we get time to connect together and it's like this positive way for us to stay connected even though we're states away right
0: yeah absolutely I think it really does uh reflect how much we are able and capable to do as a whole community people around us I also find that as a parent it is you have the you are mom or you are dad right Mm -hmm. or you are the care primary caregiver and they don't see you as the teacher. And so it is much harder sometimes to be like, okay, let's sit down and we're going to do this together. Um, But I do find when it is done in a way that is less structured and much more playful, engaging and fun, like you mentioned, that they are more willing to participate and learn because they are in a state of, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm going to continue doing this. Right. Um, And of course, I think getting help from Outside resources, like you mentioned, is also something that is extremely, extremely beneficial for parents as well. Now, there are some kids I find that don't respond to the traditional methods of teaching. Do you know of any other methods of teaching or resources that could help these kids? Like you mentioned dyslexia, for example
1: there are a lot of resources and it really depends on the child that we're talking about, mm-hmm. because people like to tell me, you know, I tell people what I do eh, what do you do? And oh, you're so patient. And I said, well, you know, you haven't seen me behind the wheel of a car. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a patient individual. And I, I asked them, have you seen Jurassic park? Do you remember the part in Jurassic Park where the velociraptors are systematically testing the fences, right? To find the weak part. And I think as really good teachers, that's what you and I do. Yeah. We we try different things until we find one that works. And if I if you said, oh, how do I help the student with dyslexia? And I said, you do XYZ. That is a pile of poop. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I really need to take all of the tools in my toolbox and try them until I find one that that student likes, that works for them, that they grab a hold of, and they're like, this is my thing. This is my way to do it. And every single kid is going to be different, just like you and I are very different. And and we're going to want to learn things differently. Right. right? We're going to have our own systems of mm-hmm. doing things.
0: Yeah. I love that. Trying what I'm hearing you say is to try. And when you find something that does work, even if it goes against mainstream um, expectations, mm-hmm. if it works for that child. Absolutely. Use it. Use and it. then figure out
1: how can I make this work over here and over here and over here and when I talk to new parents who are coming to study help and when I have new students in my classroom the first question I ask parents what are your child's strengths Mm -hmm. and they are all they are taken aback by that like they are not expecting that question but if I know what your student's strengths are if I know what their interests are Sky's the limit, because now I'm going to build off that. I'm going to use that as my scaffolding to help develop all these other skills.
0: Mm -hmm. right? Yeah absolutely absolutely for sure Um, and I really I really do think as well um, when we are trying lots of different things or putting in a lot of the interventions and we still are not seeing any um, improvement let's say academically in reading for example then that could be a red flag as well right Mm -hmm. to receive some outside supports. What are some other red flags that you may see or that you can let our listeners become more aware of? Mm
1: -hmm. So sometimes it's not gaining the skill, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's behavioral. Like you, like all of a sudden there's a lot of behavioral challenges or your child behaves one way at home and a different way at school. That's telling you that something is going on. That Those behaviors are happening because they're trying to avoid a situation. They're trying to cover the fact that they don't understand. So they know if, you know, hey, if I get in trouble, then nobody's going to know, you know, quote, I'm dumb, which that's how they're feeling,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Are they
1: dumb? No, but that's how they feel. And so they act out to try and cover the fact that they're really struggling.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that is really important to point out, right? Because a lot of the time we see the behavior and we react, right? Or we um, put into place some of the patterns that have been taught to us and that are embedded embedded in our schema and representation of the world and when we're able to step back and take a look hey what is exactly happening here we may find that it's because of these reasons right maybe they're struggling academically and they require the support to get to that place of confidence and to feel good about themselves. Now, we also have a lot of parents who a lot of their kids are doing super well at school and they're excelling Mm -hmm. at school, right? But the school system isn't able to meet these kids where they are at Mm -hmm. and resulting in them not fulfilling their potential. What can we do as parents to help these kids?
1: Building those skills outside the classroom, I think is always really important. Mm -hmm. And on our platform, about half of our students, are the kids who are struggling, and the other half are the kids that are doing really well. They just want a deeper understanding that they're taking calculus, you know, they're in AP Euro, that's Advanced Placement Euro, they're in Honors English, and they want to really hone and refine those skills. And, you know, adding things outside without over scheduling, because that's a big thing for those really you know kids that are really learn quickly
0: mm-hmm. is a
1: tendency to over over schedule them and kind of burn them out making sure that we're also conscientious of giving them time to let things simmer and sit that that's not okay i'm going to go piano and then i'm going to go to calculus tutoring and then i'm going to go to soccer practice and then i have homework and now it's midnight and i go to bed and i get up at six and do it over again
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely i love the aspect of um engaging your child outside of school right and I find there's a lot of different uh, resources out there there's a lot of clubs Mm -hmm. there's um, a lot of even just mentoring that Mm -hmm. children can become engaged with right and it doesn't have to necessarily even be academic Mm -hmm. it could be fulfilling this need that they have to reach further and to do for, do more uh-huh. in terms of um, helping someone else, right? And right. so doing it that way and modeling it. I really loved our conversation today. And I think we covered so much in terms of helping kids who are struggling, helping kids who may have an I, who may not have an IEP or a diagnosis and what to do to advocate for their child. And also those kids who are doing great at school and may need to have different avenues in which to fulfill their next step. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you would like to leave today with our listeners?
1: I think it's just really important for all of us to remember that our relationships with our children and our students are really the number one way to create engagement inside and outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. That if we make it fun, we make it interesting, we make it engaging, we show that we're interested, then they're going to be more interested. They're going to be more involved. They're going to be learning and growing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A relationship is such such a key. Definitely, absolutely. Beautifully said. Where can our listeners find you?
1: They can find me at study.help online, very easy, study.help. And that is our website. They can also, if you go to the website, there's also the links to our social media. If you want to check us out there, a link to this podcast will be on that website as well. So there is a space on there that you can click to get in touch with me or one of our other teachers on our platform. If you're looking for some extra help, That is the way to go. We are there to support you.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to hopefully connecting a little bit um, more during the school year. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. And let us know how this landed for you. And if you have any other questions, please, please engage with us in our Facebook group and we will try our best to answer them then. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.